Good afternoon, good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to uh, uh, Rugby Pod, St Andrews Podcast. Uh, it's a little bit different this time. We've got no Grant. Unfortunately, he's uh, otherwise engaged with a newborn baby. Uh, so you've got myself uh, and Mr Brightwell co-hosting today. I can't see your wave, Dipsy. Uh, also, making it new because of lockdown, we've got to do this over, over Zoom. So if you hear us dropping in and out, it's because of uh, our dodgy uh, AOL dial-up connections uh, dropping out to join the, to join the uh, recording. Uh, but today we've got a uh, uh, fantastic uh, guest. We've got Mr Tom Moat. Muat. 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 New head coach at the club who's been in charge for uh, nigh on six months, not lost a game yet. Uh, 100% record. How's it going, Tom? Uh, good. We're aiming to be the Arsenal Invincibles and do a season unbeaten. Um, so at the moment, we're on course for it. So absolutely buzzing. It's looking good, Tom. Well, uh, outstanding uh, um, progress so far. Uh, and then we've also got uh, uh, a usual um, sort of a contributor, normally in a spectator role. We've got Mr. Mark Hughes. How are you, Mark? Very well, thank you. We're hoping perhaps we might get more than a giggle and a cackle out of him today. Let's ask him a few questions. Ooh. Depending on how his dialogue internet works. Depending on how... Uh... <laughs> so, um, first and foremost, let's just talk about sort of what's, what's going on, what's current affairs. And uh, there's not a lot going on, is there really, with the lockdown? Um, so, no rugby has taken part, taken place this year since was it? What was it? January the third? Was it be a lockdown around there? Yeah. Uh, so, since then, we've not hardly seen each other. We're clubs being closed. There's been no training. Uh, so, what what has been going on then? You couldn't have asked a harder question to start off with, as you've kind of already said in the question, nothing's been going on anyway. So, <laughs> uh, Actually, to be fair, and as everyone knows in the call, and for people that listen that might not know, we're currently obviously engaging in a massive push to get people out and be fit and also raise some money for three outstanding charities. So we've got the Saints to Saints. So obviously from St. Andrews, trying to get to as many different St. Andrews as we can and raising money for uh, Rokeby Rugby Lions, Northamptonshire and Warwickshire Air Ambulance, and the Mind Charity, uh, and just encouraging people to get out and be active. So currently 29% of the way through to £5,000, so £1,474. And we've also carried another pause really openly for Billy to fill in the blank. We've made... We've walked, uh, we've walked or run or crawled uh, 1,793 miles to this, to, to, as it stands so far, uh, which is phenomenal, really. It's, it's, it's incredible. So we've so far, we've gone from our, our clubhouse uh, to Cardiff, to Dublin, then up to St Andrews in Scotland, then back down to Birmingham, to the clubhouse again, to Brussels, uh, and to Cologne. And we're now currently on the way to Krakow, which is... Uh, very nice place, isn't it, Dipsy? We've been there before. My favourite rugby tour ever. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Lovely place. Lovely Beautiful place. architecture, isn't it, Bill? Beautiful architecture. <laughs> too, too good for us the heathens to appreciate, really. <laughs> very good. Very good. Walk in and the mileage has been good, but it's been very good for the 
small amount of people that have been doing it. Well, I say small amount of people. There could be a hell of a lot more people doing it than what is happening currently. Yeah, there's about um, 108, 108 people engaged so far. Uh, but out of that, there's only about 15, 16 senior players. But the point, obviously, is we're not asking people to run or to, to do anything. It's about getting out. And one of the reasons we brought Mind in as one of the charities, um, obviously, alongside our club charity and the Air Ambulance and the local charity and the Rugby Lions, was because we understand that in lockdown, it's obviously a hard time and mentally challenging for a lot of people. So one of the reasons we're encouraging people to get out and run and jog as opposed to doing anything else is it definitely, and I can profess to it, helps with the old mental side of things, like getting out and being in the air. We Open air, we've been stuck in the house for so long. So Yeah, well, I've noticed a massive improvement, a massive benefit of getting out of the house and getting out for running, sort of clear my head out a bit. Bit of a bit of space away from the, the the household sort of stresses and everything else, and just clear the clear clear the cobwebs out of the head. And it's a massive um, mental health gain for me, definitely. So uh, I felt felt the benefits, and I've lost a few, lost a few pounds, which is also beneficial as well. Have you found things, Dipsy? Yeah, I've, I've enjoyed it actually. And as we we discussed the other day, I think um, it's it's a guilt free exercise and break away from normality. Usually, if you just sod off and go and disappear for half an hour, somebody will notice. Uh, but if, you, uh, if you're going out for a run or something, you're getting a bit back. Um, and also helping kind of contribute to, well, your fitness, uh, getting out of the house, better, improving your mental state, and plus um, raising a bit of money for some good charities, basically. How about yourself? How you found things? Oh, I think I've fully, fully enjoyed it. I think it's been really, really good. It's been yeah, nice getting out with my son. And, uh, no, seriously, it's been really, really good. I mean, I've lost weight. Um, I've, you know, it's a really, really good thing. I've, I can meet up with other people I haven't seen in ages as well and get out and just do a bit. But no, it's been really beneficial. Excellent, excellent stuff. So uh, what we're going to do, we're going to sort of, um, go through some of the usual questions that Grant goes through and uh, um, a bit of a few, few bits and bobs, talk about what's going on uh, in the sort of rugby community as a whole. Uh, and and the St Andrews um, club as a where, where we see things going, a uh, bit of a talk about what's coming up in the next over the next few months with rugby with the Six Nations coming up, and then the killer questions at the end. Tom and Huggy, we're going to go through ask for your best and worst moments uh, whilst being involved in the games. So that's how we're going to finish. Uh, so first, um, Tom, uh, obviously not everyone at the club has met you yet because of the, the conditions the club's going through. Can you give us a bit of a uh, an introduction to yourself, a bit of your rugby story? and how you came to be with us at the St Andrews. Right, um, yeah. Um, I've always grown up playing rugby. I actually played rugby league and rugby union as a junior. So from under-11s, I think I started. Under-11s through till to seniors, I played rugby league and rugby union. Um, just because that... Where, so whereabouts you brought up, sorry? South London. Rugby league? I thought that was more of a northerner sport. At the time I was growing up, they had the rugby league, and it was um, at the time was Harlequins Rugby League. They'd made a massive push to like, they were paying a lot of community coaches to get out there. They were putting a lot of money into trying to grow the game down south. And the team I was playing with was, so a lot of the boys that I played rugby league with and rugby union with were the same boys. So we, we would play rugby league on a Saturday. And then we'd go and play our rugby, junior rugby union on a Sunday. So we just kind of like 
just to and fro from it. And obviously, rugby league was a summer sport, rugby union winter, so it just worked quite nicely. Um, so then, but enough really about the rugby league already. I um, typically play six or seven. Um, when I was younger, kind of stuck with it, pure, probably because I was never the biggest, never the fastest, never the most skillful. It was easy to put me at one of those positions. We're talking about later. There's <laughs> um, four people like that in this chat already, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so then I went to the University of Chichester down in on the south coast, right near in uh, halfway between Portsmouth and Brighton. Okay. So I went down there to study to be a PE teacher. Um, about a year and a half in, I realised my errors. And that teaching was not for me. Um, and basically went down and started looking towards performance analysis. Um, for those that don't know, it's the it's in all the major sports. It's, as kind of the name suggests, analysing the performance of the players. It's not the strength and conditioning. It's not the GPS. It's about what players, be it football, NFL, rugby, are actually doing and assisting the coaching process. So I went and did an internship at Reading Football Club when they were in the Premiership. Um, so I was over there with Reading. Um, left there and got offered a paid position in my last year at university, so my third year, with London Scottish in the Championship. So um, Simon Amor, who's the current England backs coach, uh, employed me. He was the head coach at the time. Um, so I did two years of London Scottish in the championship and uh, as I started my master's in performance analysis. And then after that, I got the applied for a job and got a job with Wasps. So originally in London for a year. Uh, we were in London training. So I lived in London and we played every match at the Rico. So we'd obviously travel up every week. And then after a year, moved up with Wasps. And literally so happened to choose rugby as where I could afford to buy a flat at the time. Uh, and so I spent five years with what? So the last five years I did premiership finals, European semi-finals, European quarterfinals, did all of that with Wasps. And then in June last year, took the decision with a, a little, probably a little bit of pressure from the missus, but also from my side to step away from it because as amazing as it is, it is the most intense job I could have ever had. Missing you, like if it was a match, you missed weddings, you missed birthdays, you just did whatever that industry needed you to do. You've got matches all days of Friday, Saturday, Sunday. You just kind of work it. There's no like, oh, it's my, it's my nan's sixtieth. Uh, can I have this Friday off? It's like, well, no, we're travelling to Newcastle, so. You're traveling to Newcastle. And so what sort of things were you? I mean, uh, you know, perhaps for some of the, the not so uh, seasoned listeners, I mean, what 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 sort of things would you be, be analysing in terms of the, the, a game of rugby? What sort of things would you be, you'd be asked to look at? So to go a bit more like probably the, the detail of it. So I did, I did two years working with the attack coach, two years working with the defence coach, and one year with the forwards coach. So I kind of covered all the three 
So the attack covers bats as well. So the three main areas we work with. So at Wasps, there is currently with normally four analysts. So there's three analysts assigned to a coach to work in-depth looking at. So, for instance, if we look at attack, we would be looking at, I would work in the process of, I would, we're playing Bath in three weeks, for instance. So I would start probably next week looking at, I would go through their last four or five games and create a report for the coach and knowing how we attack and how they defend and then how we think they're going to defend because we know how they know we're going to attack and providing with clips and all this different, or like stats and basically saying like, this is the way I think we should attack to beat them. This is the way I think they might change to counteract our attack and provide the coach with the a set of clips, a set of a report and basically say, this is where I think we should go. And then the coach would take the report. He'd take all the matches himself. He would generally go through the matches himself, the report himself. Then he'd go through and look at my clips to see if he'd missed anything. So it was like two eyes on the attack. And then he would then form up a essentially an attacking game plan or a defensive game plan or a line-out playlist. And it'd be that process to basically, we were just there to assist the coaches with a second set of eyes on what we did. At the end of the day, the coaches are paid to, they live and die on the sword. So they're going to choose. But, but, so, I'll say, so the, 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 obviously the, the coaches are quite um, harshly uh, critiqued and how the, on the success or failure of the team exactly. would there be much would there much be come back to you as an, an analysis no um, that's what I'm saying like, at the end of the day they live and die by their decisions like we yeah. are there as to assist them in their process yeah um but at the end but of the you, day you, they, you wouldn't get a situation where um, you get spanking at the weekend and the, the coach will come to you and say you advised me to this and it didn't work it's all your fault um, you know, Never. generally in, in a normal business, shit falls down. You know what I mean? So you'll, you'll see you at the bottom of the pile and, uh, and come to you. But Never really, because it's just the way it seems. Like, be it pay scales or anything, they are employed to make those decisions. Like, So the buck doesn't actually fall much shorter than them. It doesn't fall down to the players much. And, but to be fair, there's not hugely a blame game in rugby. So... Obviously, I worked for 99% of my time at Wasp with Die Young as the boss, and then Lee Black has stepped in. And they both of them openly said, like, they're not going to get annoyed about a, a drop ball that, like, yes, it might have lost you the game, but even at the professional level of the game, that's, that's just accepted. Like, yeah. shit goes wrong, and it does all the time. So, like, if that's what lost you the game, it sucks. But... Do you know what? Like, you're not going to fire a coach for a player dropping the ball. He's yeah. like, it's whereas it's the stuff that goes wrong, and it's more what they call like their system. So, as the seniors will know, and we look, we've looked a lot about one three three one. That is like a, that's a system of play. So, if stuff goes wrong within the systems, and that's where people get more annoyed about it because that's something you practice. You can't people miss tackles, people drop balls. That's just the nature of rugby, and you see it happen all the time. Looking forward to you discussing that with the old boys in the car. red wine breath. I already had a little grilling in the board meeting uh, when I was trying to present the one three three one. 
You haven't played a fucking game yet. I know. <laughs> yeah, you wait till Compass Corner get the hold of you. Crikey. <laughs> <laughs> and then going back to the literally the last snippet of going back to how I got here is I left Wasps. Um, love the game. Uh, obviously, live 150 metres from the club. So I thought desperately what I stay will be in rugby. So I just randomly sent an email to Jonesy saying, this is who I am. I'd love to be involved. Uh, I said that about Monday at like 10 in the morning. And he said, uh, pop down at five o'clock tonight, please. Yeah. <laughs> so he got, he got somebody to help him type on the computer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, 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 Should we ask Huggy his rugby story, Dipsy? What do you reckon? Yeah. yeah. Go on, Huggy. Oh, my rugby story. Yeah. It's, a, yeah. it's like a joint podcast. Yeah. Uh, my, okay, well, my rugby story started when I went to uh, secondary school, Harris School, in 1985, which was uh, at the time a very good school for playing rugby. Okay, that's a long time ago, isn't it? Yeah, I think, well, so that started playing rugby there. For the school. Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah, fine. Uh, 85, so from 85 to 89, I played school rugby. Really enjoyed it. Fantastic. But my dad was always a rugby Lions fan. And I used to go and watch the Lions play, I know, uh, every Saturday with him. And uh, so when I got to Colts level, I went to uh, Lions for a season. The, the same season they went, they got promoted to the, which is now the Premiership. It'd be the Division One. So I had a season with them. About five minutes a game. I was sure he had much more quality players than me there. And I was very lucky because I was doing my apprenticeship at the time at GC that I met Tim Winwell and uh, basically a legend of the club, bless him. And uh, he took me at the Andrews, told me if I came and trained, I'd get a game. So I did when I was 16, 16 and 17 and played Colts under Mr. God bless him, Graham Aiton, or drink for Graham. And then played all from the Colts. Then went to seniors in the early 90s. Had a few games then, but then sort of drifted off because there was other, other things that I enjoyed more at the time in the 90s. And then came back really, <laughs> came back into it when my son was born because I, you know, I wanted to take him in. He's been up there since he was four. So... Yeah, that was 2000 and would have been 2008. <laughs> 2008. So I was watching him and then obviously got back into coaching again with him. And then again, there was the Vets game. So I started playing that. Realised I really missed enjoying my rugby. And fortunately enough, uh, they still wanted me to play. So yeah, that's me, more or less. How, how long have you been back playing senior rugby now? Uh, four years, I think. Yeah, four in, years. In that time, how many training sessions have you done? Uh, well, the first two years, I was quite eager. <laughs> uh, I, was, I, was, I was quite, yeah, I got quite fit at the time. And then I sort of, you know. Some big hairy bloke kept poking the eye and grabbing you by the balls. That's <laughs> basically it. And, and that, was, that was the one. And uh, yeah, <laughs> hit me in the face. <laughs> 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 I 
<laughs> yeah, I don't know. And again, the problem with it is I work in my job, and obviously with shift work, and it's very hard You're to get there. You work in your job, time. you say? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I do. I work very hard. I wouldn't have worn this year in my place, mate. I don't want to talk about it. But, um, oh, please do. <laughs> What's the award? Uh, going the extra mile. Which what? is a lot further for you, isn't it? A lot more steps. Than you, right? it, it is. It is. It is, Mark. It is. And uh, so, yeah. So that's fair, my it, story. It, it didn't say whether the extra mile was like on machinery or actually <laughs> walking. <laughs> that's generally what it is, me walking. He's the only one who wears a Fitbit at work. That's why. <laughs> that's right, mate. <laughs> mate, if I could clock more miles up in a moment at work, mate, we'd be laughing. Right, no, mate, boring. Um, <laughs> Back to Tom. Tom, uh, how do you how do you think you take your experience though, from uh, analysis into uh, coaching now? Then, how, what, what what sort of things you can take from it, and uh, what you're going to bring to the club? Um, I think just generally, like one thing we've obviously with analysis is like I spend, and obviously there is a massive difference. Like it's the top end of the game, but we worked from systems to identifying technique. We filmed every training session, so. In terms of my five years at Wasps, we filmed, God, I don't know how many hours, probably like 10 hours a week was what we spent out on the training paddock. Like, it doesn't sound too much, but when you're working there for five years and 10 hours a week, there's a lot of stuff. So, like, from how the coach react to different drills to the system. So, I just basically, and I think I I've have pushed on the boys, is it's just a bit of, like, education. I'm quite big on the why. So, not telling boys to do something for the sheer sake of it, whatever it is. So when we talk about like carrying off nine or carrying off 10, but why are we asking you to do that? Because and it may be just me, like there might be people that are thick as pig shit that just want to be told to do things. But I've always found that if people understand why we're doing it and like the bigger picture, I don't know, maybe a bit more buy-in to like what we're doing and why we're doing it. I mean, that's something I completely agree with. Is I mean, if if you understand that, that the, you know, I always struggle when people tell me to do things because I don't. I've been told to do, but if I understand why I'm doing it, it makes it a lot easier. And that's something I've always been up with since I've been coaching. Since I've come up, is trying to explain the bigger picture. I want you to do this because, and it makes a big difference. It makes people are, um, hopefully the buying better. I think we've already had it in, the, in, the, like, in me and you obviously Billy have talked a lot about it. We've already had a bit, a few like eureka moments where we've asked people to do different things had a bit of kickback and then maybe like two sessions later we've had boys come up and me like i can see now why you asked me to do it and it is like a bit of like a light bulb going off like eureka like yeah there's a reason why we're asking you we've tried to explain it but like it's lovely to see well, get, it does make it worth it i get that you asked the why and you kind of you kind of explain that but what how do you how do you coach people who don't want to be told why and how, but they just want to play? Because there's, there's people that are like that. There's people who've been playing for a long time who've lifted, played under different coaches, or they've been doing it since they were four or five. Learned off different people. They know the, how they want to play, and that's how they stay. You you can still improve those players, but it's whether or not they want to get on board with that. How do you change that? I'll be honest. It's that's not an easy it's not an easy answer to anything like at the end of the day and I was told and I won't name names here but like I was told coming into St Andrews that this is a very talented bunch of players said right. uh, in recent years 
we have won games, lost games, but it's been a lot of individual brilliance at times. Uh, and that we haven't often been caught with team tries. And like we've all seen them, like Sky Sports tweet them out, like these multi-phase tries. And so I go back to it and I'm like, well, people may want to still stick with who they are, but as we've already seen, we've got this Colts group pushing forward who have got a young group of players, which is really, to be fair, given the seniors are kicking, the seniors are... I feel have up their game and stuff. And at the end of the day, that the game of rugby is not changing at the at the bottom level. It's really not. But we've got a young group of players coming through. We've got some experienced senior players, and we want to. We're looking, and Billy and myself have sat and talked at countless times about how this. We've looked at this team as not a team for this season, for next season, but it's a longitudinal thing. So like. If people don't want to play their part, like we obviously do have a really great, and I've heard countless names, I've never seen obviously myself, really great two side who's brilliant social side and people can play those games, but we want to be pushing forward with a, everyone pulling in the same direction is, is my opinion on it. And I haven't got to see anyone play yet, so I won't make decisions on people. But at the end of the day, we win and lose as a team. We won't win and lose as individuals. Yeah, I, th- I think we've, uh, as I say, I, I was with the seconds last year, um, and so was Huggy. Uh, we did quite yeah. a lot last year. Um, I, think, I think this year, it's a shame, obviously, that everything stopped like it has, because I think, I, I said this to you the other day, Billy, I think we've had not, not the best uh, pre-season or anything like that. I just think it was, it was the right time for what we were doing. Um, yeah. we, we've, we've had... It's been a long time since we've had a good uh, a set of Colts coming through, like a full set of Colts, but also some young players that aren't far off that age. Uh, we've still got some young players in the first team and second team. We've got some guys that are approaching a bit more maturity on game day, not so much after or in the bar. But <laughs> you've, got, you've got a few players that you can actually work with now. We've not got a lot of players at the end of their rugby career. Um, you've got a lot of people in the middle, or at the average start. age has dropped, isn't it? Yeah, and and I think um, for me, for me and Huggy, we we had quite a lot of players last year that were we'd have an amazing team one week, yeah, not so much the next. And we, you guys, would see that in training, yeah. have loads of numbers one week or not the next. But this this year, I've seen more Colts, more young players, more new players come through and train because it's been very interesting. And it's been really well worked. It's kept involved with each other. One thing I'm worried, one, one thing I'm worried about with it, with the lockdown is that obviously the, the the being a cult is a is a stepping stone from going from junior to senior rugby, and there's going to yeah. be a whole the whole cult team effectively are going to miss out that that year that whole year that they miss out of. So they're going to go from playing sixteen year olds to playing adults with without the integration. It's going to be quite interesting to see how how many people those sink and how many those swim. Um, it's going to be. A, I mean, it's going to be. I think we'll have a detrimental be a effect. Baptism of fire, won't it? Really? Yeah. I think it'll have a detrimental effect on some players because they they will just bottle it. Well, there's a lot. There's a lot of senior players now, or a lot of senior players that have not long finished playing. That were probably in that position as well. But we had, we were brought up to senior rugby, first team rugby, second team rugby, from 16, 17. So, Col- Colts rugby, we didn't really play a lot of it 
I don't know about your your age group did Bill, but I think we were the next lot after you pretty much. Um, it's very different. They they wanted to push more people in there because we needed an influx of players, but we've got a bit more time now to use beat, those, to beat them up to tenderize them. I do think, and like yeah. Billy said it, everyone said it really, like in training as well, you can see the nuances of the game of the seniors who are experienced in, in essentially like the gamesmanship, sport, well not sport, it's gamesmanship, it's the, the little nuances of cheating, the, the pulling the shirts and those sort of things. That, cheating? Uh, it's that little gamesmanship, but like the Colts, and, I, and like to be fair to them, you could... The way obviously junior rugby works, like no one is more experienced than anyone coming through the junior rugby system. So you get your at Colts, everyone's played by the same amount of time. Suddenly you get to this adult rugby, and it's like you've got players hold pinning you on the floor, pulling your shirt, and it's those nuances of the game that, and that's as you as you guys have just said, like it's where probably the Colts will have a really steep learning curve. They've got to learn quickly because you've got players that have been who are been playing senior rugby for 10 years, 12 years, 15 years, who know these niggly little tricks, the dark arts of the forwards and all these different things. So um that's where like the Colts will have this like sharp learning curve. And to be fair, we've seen it a bit in training, like boys not being used to suddenly pulling them back and how to react to that? Let's let's be honest. They've got it quite easy. It's not pouring with snow with about 30, 40 year olds trying to kick your head in on basically what is a car park with some floodlights on. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, mate. Yeah, very true, mate. Very true. We trained on shingles twice a week. <laughs> um, with Andy Dean pummeling you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> when when you have two people uh, for unopposed, but there's two people in the other side of the line out that just want to punch you or drag you in and kick you in the head. You can't quite do that anymore. You learn quick. <laughs> it learned you. One of, the, uh, one of the best quotes I've ever heard, and I won't name the name, it's, but it's a professional player that played the top end of rugby. He said uh, he was he played back in the, like, the 90s. He said the best time for me was uh, whenever they scored a try, because as the ref blew his whistle, he used to look up to the sky. He said, so that was my time to lay people out. <laughs> To be fair, the Colts definitely have to grow up with that, so they're all right. <laughs> do you think, though, so did you miss playing at all, um, Tom? Um, so the reason I've kind of gone to the coaching route is because, for one, I enjoyed coaching when I was younger anyway. Like I did my level two in Union when I was 20 years old, and I did it quite young anyway. It's a long-winded way of telling us that you were shit. No, it's more because of wasps. But yeah, don't like playing in hot weather. Correct. Um, no, I gave up playing purely because I worked every weekend with wasps. So like, I was playing up until when I was 21 at Stuttgart Uni. And then just when you're tr- playing pretty, predominantly Saturdays, obviously, just couldn't commit to anything. I didn't really feel the love of it to be this bit part player and then genuinely five and a half, six years down the line of having played no contact rugby to going back into playing contact rugby. I was a bit like, well, potentially I don't think the old body's 
ready for it. Like, while I probably could go back into it, I also had a lot of love and I do love coaching. So, like, I do. No, no, the it. question obviously, we're due to have Taff on tonight, but obviously, he's let us down. Um, he's got a call up from the Taff here or something. But, um, I mean, do, do you think coaching does replace that buzz? I had a conversation with Dipsy yesterday, went for our walk. I mean, and it, it does, you do get you get it back in that changing room and you get that sort of a bit of the banter back. But, um, like I say, I, I'm still sort of coming to terms with the fact that my playing days are coming towards the end. I'll probably get a few games out every now and then still, but I don't think I've got much money in me. But I don't know if that, if coaching, although much I'm, I'm really enjoying coaching, whether that's going to be enough. No, I'll be honest, it, it, it doesn't at all. Like, when, even when in the my five years it was, when I'd go back to my hometown club and watch my mates playing just on the sideline, all I wanted to do was be out there. And then when we're coaching now, like and some of the different like condition games, like all you wanted to be doing is be out there and coaching. Oh no, I'm playing, sorry, not coaching. Because like there is there doesn't replace that buzz at all. And if anything, it's probably even more frustrating coaching. Um so yeah, the easiest answer is no, it doesn't at all. Um one of the reasons I came in and people like, I've had a few players say to me like, why don't you come in and play a coach? And I said, Well, because if I came in to coach, I, I wanted to be a coach. And then whether you dip back into playing at all in the next year or whatever, that's a different aspect. But I didn't want to come in. The, being... hard, the hard thing about playing a player coaches as well, especially because no, one's, no one knows you. I mean, the thing is between, I mean, you, you could be shit. I mean, you, you, clearly got, you, you clearly got the knowledge of it, but you could be garbage. You don't have to be a great player to be an okay, great yeah. coach. I mean, if, and if you sort of all of a sudden start playing and you don't do as you say, or you don't pull off, you don't, don't earn that respect that on the playing field, you might lose lose the respect on the coaching side of things as well. So it's, it's a tr- tricky thing to keep that balance. Um, uh, but if you do play and you smash someone up, big kudos. Exactly, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know I'm the youngest one sitting here, I'm the youngest sitting here talking about with three uh, the older boys. I was talking to a few of them. I was never one like, didn't in, uh, even be a back row. Never enjoyed scrapping in games. Like I'm the classic back row that probably would throw the slide dig and then stand behind the number eight. Like never enjoyed <laughs> doing it myself. I play with a few of you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But, um, I'm with you, Tom, mate. But I also don't enjoy like I like I do hope like and I've heard many different things and I obviously sat there through Kristen's podcast as he mentioned the multiple disciplinaries he's been in, but. <laughs> I just want to play rugby. Like, yeah. I, I, I'm not out there to to scrap and to like. I just want to play rugby, score tries, and like. That's my love of the game. Like, my love of the game is nothing to do with like smashing people up. Like, while it's brilliant and like that sort of things. Like, I want to score tries. Like, whether it's more tries or open play. Like, I want to play rugby. It's some, like, and that's people, me. Some people just do it for the break, Tom. If I'm honest. Yeah. No, I mean, some people just do it because they're tired. Oh, I could do it ten minutes. Are we off? No. All right. <laughs> some people must do it also to get away from the misses on the old midweek for the disciplinary. Then that's a good point. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> No, I agree, Tom. I think uh, watching to be nice, fluid rugby and getting some tries in is a 
it's what rugby's all about for me. To be to be honest, uh, on, on that, um, Huggy obviously is a little bit older than some of the players that play in the twos. We do we do have some people up that end as well. Um, but it, it's been it's been a pleasure to coach with you in the seconds last year because you want to play and you're quite happy to play, but you're also happy to let younger players or other players have a bit more time on the pitch and play. And you don't always you don't always push to ask somebody else to get off so you can you can play. You're quite happy to let others learn and like gain some knowledge, gain a bit of game time. And that that's really that's a really good thing to do because you still you'll still play. You'll still play most weeks and you know that. And you're yeah, absolutely guy, but you, you you give others the chance to do it, and I think I think that should be commended quite a bit. To be fair, I appreciate it, Mike. Uh, yeah, uh, it is. It's it's wonderful being part of the just being part of that. Uh, uh, be able to be part of like hopefully twenty man squad. Sometimes it's obviously fourteen, but you know if we have twenty, it's really really good. But yeah, having an opportunity to watch the people playing and flourish and everything else, enjoying the rugby is, is 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 the whole is the whole buzz for me completely. Hence why you know coaching the under fifteens that I do at the moment, watching these new lads coming through and obviously other boys coming up is is the is, is the future of the club and everything else, which I love. You know what I mean? I want to see the club flourish. It's annoying at the moment, obviously the lockdown, what's going on? But I mean, there's some really really talented lads coming through. I know. That can make this club go forward and, and and everything you know, not being trying to get the brown star water again, but everything I see Tom's doing at the moment and Matthew, yeah, is really 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 good. It's it's really encouraging. Even I understand the concept of it, and that's from a like an old geezer. Don't don't go too mad about how great you've been about doing that. <laughs> not it's not always when you whisper to me, don't be to the one that you're letting somebody else. Know. Was it was it Harbour when you got subbed on the last five minutes out of sympathy and then got sent straight off again? Yeah, yeah, I lasted. No, offside. I was offside. <laughs> I was offside. Marginally offside. It yeah, <laughs> it was. I mean, he wasn't marginally offside. <laughs> Don't think he realises that you can't join from their side of a rook. <laughs> All right, listen. It was down to my spin coach at the time, building me up, going, when you go in a rookie, you want to smash it up. Yeah, so I was, I was built up, mate. That was, yeah, I think it was two, two minutes, two seconds, I think I lasted. I That's my, that was my first yellow card of my career as well. Better than your sex life. Mm. Actually, um, my debut <laughs> for the old uh, university team, subbed on... Two penalties late, a yellow card, you're off again. So, uh, <laughs> well done, so see, this is why I like you, mate. That's 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 a good flanker, though, isn't it? You're meant to be offside, you're meant to be pushing the offside line, <laughs> exactly. You still won the game. Just, I hope this is just audio because what you're doing right now is really disturbing. <laughs> Too much hey. movement down south, yeah. Oh, I'm massaging my calves. <laughs> yeah, <all right. laughs> he's, he's getting excited when we start talking about. Off the and back row. Oh. The cards. Oh. <laughs> um, right then. Uh, <laughs> what was the next question? Uh, right, when you were um, when you associate with the with the uh, the, the pro sides, then um, Tom, did you get to go out with the socials with them as well? Yes and no. So there is quite the split between players and staff. 
Um, we would probably typically do five or six socials together. And then there would be also a pretty big split between players and players and staff um, for like probably the, arguably the bigger socials. I'm, I'm currently plowing through uh, um, James Haskell's uh, um, book at the moment. Great read. Thoroughly, thoroughly recommend it. Um, obviously, it goes into quite a bit of detail about some of their socials and stuff. Were you, were you party to any of the um, any of the the, the, the the socials mentioned in there at all? No. So we, I know some of the. I don't even know. I haven't read his book, but I, so I won't mention it because there was definitely a lawsuit around one of them. But. Um, <laughs> uh, but no, typically speaking, the socials we were on were a lot more of the um, kind of socials. When like the players, when they really kicked off with each other, and to be fair, like when the stories you hear and like the actual effort they put into planning these socials as well, it's fantastic. It's phenomenal, and you you've got to applaud it. But uh, typically speaking, no, the staff would join players for drinks, and people would split off afterwards, or. But they're, they're really mad socials we weren't really a part of. Nobody wants to go out drinking with the mum and dad, do they? So, can you sort of like, obviously, without naming names, surely we'd have heard some of the stories and the, uh, the gossip that came back from these stories. What's, what's the most um, uh, entertaining social story you heard from the, from the, the players? Just putting, I really want to just, the, and it was an own personal experience, was. We were out in Leamington, and I think, I think off the top of my head, it was the Friday night, Wales were playing England in Cardiff, the Six Nations. So we were out in Leamington as staff, like, and this is not, it wasn't a club organised socials, the staff had just gone out, we were drinking, went on to the next bar, and suddenly we bumped into most of the players who were there. So I kept drinking, kept drinking, kept drinking. We made it into, and like my knowledge is useless, but we made it to one of the nightclubs in Leamington. And it's probably about three in the morning. Finally, like, stumbled out of there and was like, need to go home. Phone was dead, so I couldn't order an Uber. So I like, talked to the taxi driver, like, oh, yeah, it's like 70 quid for a taxi home. And he's like, but I live in Rugby. If you wait here for 45 minutes, I'll take you home for 20 quid. So I stood there for about 40 minutes and then out stumbles Curtly Beale. Like, obviously at the time, professed in the newspapers as the most expensive player in the Premiership. And he just slumps down against the wall, like next to the nightclub, like borderline paralytic. And just basically, I just stood there like, it's not my job, like, I'm going home in a minute. Like, it was surreal because, like, in terms of football, like, it's like the highest paid player in Premiership Rugby. And just wow. like, he literally slumped against the wall in like against the side of a nightclub in Leamington. And I was like, oh, we had a taxi home. Like, <laughs> 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 not my job. <laughs> Can you match that then, Huggy? What's the most stupid thing you've seen in a club, a club social? St Andrews Club Social. What's the stupidest thing you've seen? Oh, for fuck. Yeah. Don't mention names who don't want to. Uh, well, <laughs> I don't know. The last time we were at the 15 Club for our, uh, the Six Nations. 31st of October. That quite, uh, that, yeah, that was quite far, wasn't it? It some was individuals. It was an exciting night out. Yeah, some individuals have been venting their, their, uh, 
demonstration. That was quite a bonkers one. Anyone think this is the first time they've been drinking after a lockdown or something, wouldn't it? Really? Yeah, do you know what I mean? It was quite, it was quite nuts, really. <laughs> I mean, well, actually, uh, sorry, just sorry to interrupt. I've got actually a great story for you, which was last year as well. We were away, and so I won't name names at all here, but we were away in France playing a European Challenge Cup game, and we'd taken the old uh, kiddies out. So the academy were out there, mixed the first team. We'd flown into Toulouse. We were playing Agen, which is about two hours by bus. Flown in, drove down there, uh, stayed the night, played the match. And then straight after the match, we got on the bus back to Toulouse. And we were staying in a hotel to fly up the next morning. So got on the bus back. The boys had had a win. Had been about eight or nine on debut. So not just in Europe, but for the first team. So they'd sunk a few beers. Obviously, as you boys probably would know, two hours on a bus as well. After a win, only a few more beers were sunk on the bus home. So we kind of arrived back and the boys were like, boom, it's Toulouse, boys. We're out in Toulouse tonight. Like, get change up. Like, let's go out. So, staff-wise, so, like, I obviously, being the boring fucker I am, doing analysis was doing the match report anyway. So, there's about 10 of us staff who were sitting in the bar area. Like, me and my boss were working. Other people having a few pints, players go out. Um, but we had to be up and we got a flight at, I think it was about, the flight was probably about 8.30 in the morning. So like we had to be on the coach at about six in the morning. So by the time the boys had actually finished up a few drinks in the bar and got out, it's probably about midnight. So me, like a few of the other staff, me and my boss were up to about five in the morning working, went and got, grabbed like half an hour's sleep got up, had breakfast, bit feeling like a zombie. As we were going to the bus, boys were still arriving back from the night out, um, straight to their rooms to get changed. So, like, got on the bus, like, everyone sits on the bus, and then they're like, uh, came on, they're like, has anyone seen this academy player? Everyone's like, I was like, I oh, ain't seen him. Like, not clue. Like, I haven't been out. Who the boys were like, uh, have we seen him? Yeah, yeah, we did see him a while back. And what happened is, obviously, players are friends. So the boys had gone out the night before, I texted a few of the boys from Toulouse. So, for instance, Lima knew Jerome Kano. Um, jo- uh, Joanne de Jong knew um, Cheslin Colby. Like, obviously, they're all mates. So they'd all got into yeah. a nightclub together. So this one boy, Cheslin Colby, was like his hero. Like, obviously, post winning the World Cup. So he kept drinking, kept drinking, kept drinking. <laughs> So finally, one of the coaches got through to him on the phone at about 10 to 6. And, like, obviously, we're on the bus. We're about to leave on the bus to the airport. So where the fuck are you? He's like, I'm at the hotel. And, like, there's basically two hotels with the same name in the city. We were staying out by the airport. He was in the middle of the city. And they're like, fucking get, in, get on your, like, we've got your bag, passport. Get to the fucking airport. So we arrive at the airport, and again, like, I've been working still, and I'm still working at the time. So like, we go through security, we get on the plane, and we're literally just about to get on the plane, and they're like, he hasn't arrived. His phone's dead. <laughs> they were like, well, to be fair, although he's academy, he's over 18, like, They just left him in Toulouse. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> I mean, that reminds me, remember your stag do, Dipsy, where my uh, roommates, you remember, nameless, uh, he went, <laughs> what, hit, tearing up the town, went out, and... Uh, 
he went back to we had, what's, what, what, what the name of the hotel we stopped at as a chain Radisson Blue Radisson Blue there's two Radisson Blues in Warsaw in Poland that he ended up kicking down a door in the wrong hotel trying to find me and then realised <gasps> in the wrong hotel <laughs> fuck off there's a little bit more to that as well because I met my brother the next morning and said uh, how are you and he said yeah I'm a bit skinned because I just went to last night I got a taxi back to the Radisson Blue it's the wrong one but I had to run back outside, grab the same taxi and come back here. It cost me a fortune. I said, Andy did that as well. He goes, yeah, no. I said, oh, no. Somebody else did that as well. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he was asleep on the sofa in the reception. I said, why did you get him? He said, it was either that or get the taxi to get home. But also, I was thinking about um, the, the early flights. Remember the um, the Benidorm tour where uh, we went out the last night? We haven't got the talk saying, oh, don't go too big tonight. But early flight in the morning, we got to catch the bus. It was, again, it's six o'clock in the morning, some bus the next morning. We had to, uh, was it, wake certain people up, naming name names. Just leave me. I don't give a fuck. Just leave me alone. <laughs> yeah, I, I, was, I was chairman on that tour, and all I remember was saying... We need to all behave tonight. You can have a few to drink, but we need to get on this plane tomorrow. And then all I remember was seeing videos of me the next day holding two jugs of sangria at about half past 11 in the morning. (laughs) (laughs) All inclusive, all inclusive tours. Not a good idea. No, mate. Never again. I heard. Right, and um, moving on then, uh, Six Nations around the corner, aren't they? Not far off. Yeah. Uh, uh, Eddie Jones just announced his squad. Any, anyone seen that? I did. What are you thinking? Any 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 uh, opinions? I like that Carl Winger. I mean, a Wasp Winger. What's his name? He could have played for uh, Italy. What's oh, his name? Is it Paolo? It's Paolo, isn't it? Paolo... Paolo Adolfi. Thank you, that's him. He's a it, cobbler, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah, good boy. Like him. The, the, uh, the, the big, uh, looks like a prop. Yeah. Uh, Quick, tons, mate. Is it, I think a technical term. He, 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 he basically looks like Dipsy in his prime. <laughs> what, shit teeth? Prime. <laughs> I think like the- him. The big shocks are obviously Sinclair's not in there after his recent ban and swearing at the ref. Um, yeah. Um, other big names are the fact that they've taken three scrum halves for like the first time in like three years. They've yes, taken three scrum halves, so they've got Harry Randall in. Uh, obviously, a dog who's in there. There's a few notable absentees moving out into the shadow squad. So there's no Simmons, neither Simmons. Yeah. Um, are in there no Marcus Smith either they've named Charlie Atkinson and Jacob Margit in the shadow squad which is obviously a big one a big, rep- a big representation for Courtney Laws 10th Six Nation in a row Six Nation squad 11 yeah. in total which is an unbelievable thing yes quality yeah. player he's a class act though isn't he yeah he is Courtney is I think I do think Sinclair is the probably the biggest one for us because Sinclair has been a standout at starting tight head with Will yeah. Stewart being on the bench. Is, is, is that due to the, the reduced numbers of? If you only, only have the, that's reduced the amount of numbers in the squad, don't they, to keep the the bubble smaller, and therefore because he if he misses the first game, he misses the first game anyway. Isn't as I was reading up about it, if 
if the second game doesn't go ahead because of COVID, we should have, we should have risk. He then has to miss two Six Nations games, that's, which is then taking a taking a space up for someone who can only play a couple of games. Is, is we, obviously, the thing with it as well is, which happens countless times, is they name they name a squad every Sunday anyway. They name a training squad. So he'll just get brought in as soon as his band's but over and they need him. He'll just be brought but in. They're, but they're saying, they're saying they can't do that this year. They're, 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 they're keeping it strict to the 28 or whatever, 25, 28, because of the, cause, cause of the COVID bubbles. They're trying to make it uh, as minimal as minimal changes. Unless, of in, unless there's injury, you can't swap people in and out. Fair play. So oh. it, um, Ooh. it should be interesting. Who's the Borsen's replacement? They brought in um, what's his name? It'd be Harry. I'm assu- I haven't actually checked. I'm, I assume it's Harry Williams and Will Stewart with the the tight heads in there. Put it up on my phone. Give me a second. Da, 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 da. Uh, I know Will Stewart's in there. Will Stewart's got to be in there. He is in there. He's in there. Uh, ben Abano, uh, Harry Williams. Yeah. So Will Stewart and Harry Williams will be the two tight heads that will yeah. compete for it. Um. There's not really, as far as I can see, that there's not many other huge shocks in there. Like, not really. really no. England have got quite a settled squad. Yeah, I mean, like I say, I mean, because the because the squad numbers are so small, yeah, I can't take too many risks any really. So they've named about ten in that um, shadow squad, which, to be fair, barring like a few really inexperienced players, you've got some like Charlie Yules in there. Like, there's some real experience sitting in this shadow squad anyway. So. Do you do you think by um, reducing the numbers, uh, obviously, normally this sort of phase in the four-year cycle of World Cups, um, you'd be sort of experimenting with some of the younger players. Do you reckon they have a knock-on effect? Because obviously we've got the strict numbers now. We normally you, you'd imagine the likes of um, what's his name, Marcus Smith at Quinns would have possibly got a shot. Um, mm. You got your, your Simmons possibly could have got a shot. Uh, do you reckon he's got to try and balance now the, the building the squad for the four year, three years time and testing new players because obviously if he tested a lot of new players and he ended up coming third in the Six Nations there'll be a lot of blame on his shoulders so is, is, is it going to have a detrimental effect in the long term do you reckon? I'll be honest I don't purely because and this is okay I'll play the big if game as long as the Lions goes ahead as normal the, this summer tour is the tour that essentially no one cares about if we yeah. lost whatever the, the summer tour 3-0 no one would care the Six Nations still mean a lot. Like we would still all be down the club supporting the Six Nations. Six Nations mean something to us. Like, of course, yeah. we want to yeah. beat the Irish, we want to beat the Welsh, we want to beat the Scottish. Whereas the summer tour, when your Farrells, your Toe Jays, like your your big boys, are going with the Lions, that's when you he's going to get this shot. Like, basically, well, without injuries dependent, Farrell's gone. For instance, Farrell is going to be with the Lions. So therefore, that's when you're Marcus Smith or Jacob Marger or Joseph. When's the last time a, a championship player went on the Lions tour. Uh, it's an interesting fact, isn't it? No, so the last, yeah, yeah, it's an interesting Because the last time, obviously, there was um, there's been a few wild cards, but I don't think. A I, mean, I mean, Will, Will Greenwood was in a non-capped, wasn't he? But he's still he was still playing for Quinns at the time. Wasn't he? I can't think of anyone from the championship going to the Lions tour. No, or well, the first, the second division, or it was potentially was then. That'd be interesting. Oh, yeah. has, has anyone else seen the, um, the also the uh, the proposed potential um, uh, Lions versus Sanzar versus Pacific Islands? T- um, I have seen that. Nope. 
if we you know we see Dipsy shaking his head and stuff, I mean, there, there, there was an, an idea thrown out which seems to be growing momentum that if the Lions tour can't go ahead, they put together a mini tournament between uh, like uh, South Africa, Australia, New Zealand, and Argentina 15. Yeah. That would look basically, Billy. I'm gonna be honest, we lost you there for about the last 10 seconds. Oh. But what, what I did like, oh, yes, yeah, what I did like about it is you finished with have a look. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's an interesting concept, though, isn't it? Okay, so I'll re reiterate that if it dips in, dips in here, um, that there's potential, there's a talk, people talking about uh, if the line store doesn't go ahead, have a South Africa, Australia, New Zealand, and Argentina 15. Versus a British Lions fifteen versus a, a Pacific Islands fifteen, a combined this, or each of the the, the the giants effectively. How would you think that would look? That's quite interesting, isn't it? I think in, con in concept, it's an amazing idea. Who'd win? I'd honestly say states that they say that the the big four Southern Hemisphere. Could, yeah, it has to be, wouldn't it? That'd be ridiculous. How could a British British and Irish Lions tournament not happen? But then they get COVID because of COVID, mate. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, as in, how could that not go ahead? But then you have twelve different teams with different. I'm guessing. I'm guessing what the, 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 I'm guessing. The reasons behind it is that if if uh, a Lions tour doesn't go ahead, there's a lot of lost lost revenue because they won't be able to sell tickets. Won't be able to people get in there. And Tom would be pissed off if some holidays cancelled. Um, but then if they had those the big tournament happening in behind closed doors somewhere, the TV rights would be worth an extortion amount. Yeah, no, I, I get that. But what I'm trying to say is if they'd, they'd cancel the British and Irish Lions thing for the fact that COVID and outbreaks and people um, transferring the virus or whatever. But then you've got, you'd have, what, a mixture of 12 different nations mixing together to play games. Surely that would be worse. I think the bubble would be ridiculous. Of, yeah. At the end of the day, none of it is about like even like you think like for instance the Welsh squad that they're all in different bubbles and stuff like that. Like none of the like the reason the last one won't go ahead is nothing to do with bubbles or anything. It is simply a financial reason. Like the clubs have to the British Irish Lions pay England for their England players. They have to pay Wales, Scotland. They pay for their players. So if I selected Billy from England as the British Irish Lions, we have to we pay we pay England to have him. Then I also have to pay Billy. So the only reason that tour ain't going ahead is money is financial reasons. Yeah, it's money, yeah. It's, it's the revenue. COVID. I don't want to be a, don't want to be a dick about it, but why wouldn't they pick me up? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, which would be a lot cheaper. I, I, yeah. If we're paying like tuna, I'd probably be a little bit more expensive by the pound than What we'll do, we'll just we'll have a we'll have a quick break. Back everyone. <laughs> Excellent. So we've just had a, a convenient uh, toilet break, and we're ready to. Uh, uh, Reconvene. Fairly. Um <laughs> we Where do we get to? So we're, we're talking about the best, best chip shop and best kebab out in rugby. If anybody wants to uh, wants to comment on that, uh, <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, please do. Uh, quick, quick, round, round the house. Best chip shop in rugby? Huggy? Uh, Featherbird Lane, please. Featherbird Lane. Tom? I've never been to Featherbird Lane, but I went the, the old chip shop down by the station. Murray Road, what is going about, mate? Uh, I've just had Featherbed Lane tonight. Uh, that's my favourite. And uh, the best, uh, what was it, takeaway uh, in general in rugby? Uh, Huggy? Uh, peppers. peppers. Chicken King with Dollar, mate. Gypsy? You like a takeaway? Uh, the Chinese chef in Corston. Bang in. Posh. Uh, I'm going to go very, uh, it's probably not, yeah, it's, it's only takeaway, not delivery, but old Libertine Burger. I thought you were going to go for fucking lobster, you posh bastard. I'll be honest, I thought he was going to go, it's in Surrey, and it's called Far Gras. Is there someone in rugby that serves lobster? Because if there was, that's my choice. If there was, mate, there's plenty of places with crabs, I know that for sure. Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> right then. Uh, uh, go Do we know anybody? Oh, God, sorry. I'm just saying, is there a story about anybody getting crabs? Huggy, you're going to be muted like that, so yeah. quickly. Oh, sorry. Uh, <laughs> we're going to go for <laughs> some, some best and worst. Uh, and we're going to start off with Huggy, obviously, because you've been at the club for. Uh, Many many years. Okay, hey. uh, we're going to do some quick fire questions, uh, and we haven't prepared this. So me and Dipton, I'm just saying, thinking it now. Me and Dipton are take it in turns asking you quick fire questions about St Andrews, and you got to answer them as quick as you can without thinking about it. Okay. Okay. So first question: Who's the best player you played with? Uh, Kindy Devgan. Who's your favourite player you played with? Uh, it'd be Steve McKenna. Who you enjoyed playing with most? Be Steve Ebert. Steve oh. Ebert. Right, right, that's me. Um, who's the worst player you've ever played with? Are we allowed to do that? Yeah, I was going to say that. Yeah, uh, George Beasley. <laughs> Who? Who's the biggest liability on the piss? Oh, uh, Jason Warren. Who's the worst drinker you've drank with at the club? That's me. <laughs> me. <laughs> me. Uh, who's the biggest womanizer at the club? <laughs> me. <laughs> who's the most successful womanizer in the club? Who's the longest in the showers? Dave Rudd. Who's the biggest in the showers? Oh, Danny Prosser, back in my day, mate. Christ. Um, <laughs> I'm out, I'm out, I'm out. Tap. Uh, um, uh, 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 I'm trying to think of one more. No, I'm done. I'm spending. I'm spending. Who's, 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 who's your favourite spectator? Uh, John Walden. Who's your worst spectator? John Walden. Who talks the most shit? 
Danny, Danny, what's his name? Danny, Danny Fippin, you know, the, the old geezer. Swag, just a grace. Tong Tonks, yeah, Danny Tonks. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, who do you avoid in the clubhouse? Daddy Tonks. <laughs> who's who? Uh, who's the tightest person in the club? Me. Um, who was your Who was your favourite player in the uh, league promoted side that we had? The last. Uh, uh, it's a, it's a, it's a, well, it's between it was uh, Grant Taylor and uh, Scott Rundle. Uh, it <laughs> that hurt him. That hurt him real big shot. That one did. Motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> Love you, man. But like, you know what I mean. Uh, Who, here's one. Who's the most talented player you play with? Was in most gifted, naturally gifted. Billy. Billy. Not me, I'm not actually gifted. It'd be Egg Taylor, to be fair. Yeah, Ron Taylor. Did I t- who's your favourite person you've ever been on tour with? Uh, Matthew Butler. Mate, no, look, just bef- I know it's quick fire questions, but that's a load of bollocks. Cause- <laughs> that's that's <laughs> true. I'm true. Sorry, mate. Tours with Billy Butlin, and I can tell you fucking handfuls of people who hate him. So, <laughs> what I'm going to say, you obviously haven't been bullied by Butlin on the tour. Listen, man. Yeah. Huggy, like it's Zoom here. He he can't get near you. You're safe. No, no, no. It's listen. It's not that. It's just it's 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 that. It comes back to the whole. Yeah, no, it does, man. Sorry, man. I've got a favourite. It's it's that man. You've got fucking soft in your old age, Billy. (laughs) Also, on that, right? I know we don't talk about all that much, but right. What's your favourite, most pointless? non-drinking thing that a uh, a daddy or a chairman has made any of those players do on a tour? <laughs> a foggy. <laughs> well, make fucking, uh, make fucking, uh, 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 Jamie Klein's fucking beat me for an hour and a half. It's fucking, it's probably the fucking worst thing I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> It was a pointless fucking exercise. But again, I have the shit ripped at me every day at work for the, yeah, 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 man. You know what I mean? Because someone's heard it and all I have at work every day is some prick that I know shout it and most of the work, workplace, no, yeah, it's ugly. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know what I mean? And it's, it, it, it's, it's strung on from that. And believe me, there's at least 30 people at work do the same thing every fucking day and I'm there. Um, Don't cry. So, yeah. One excellent place to work. <laughs> Two, um, as as I like that question. Yeah. Billy, same question to you. Um, I think that that uh, on a similar sort of ilk. I think it is a, a most sadistic thing I I probably did was I made um, somebody who remained nameless sit in every seat in the stadium. So let's go around and sit in it. <laughs> I had to sit in every seat, so stand up, move across the next seat, sit down. And, and, then, and then, so he effectively did about 10,000, well, 5,000 squats in, in a row. And then they couldn't walk for about two days afterwards because their quads were on fire. That, that really entertained me. Oh, we also oh. enjoyed playing um, uh, Finding Nemo when we were in um, Bulgaria. No, it wasn't Bulgaria. It was at Cro- uh, Croatia, where I bought a... Uh, well, someone bought a helium balloon of Nemo, and we used to play. We just played a game of hiding the balloon and have sending 
virgins to go and try and find it, and it went off about two days. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I've, got, I've got a couple actually, but I think they all they all stem from pretty much the Krakow tour, if I'm honest. We had um, somebody somebody had to try and catch a pigeon. <laughs> in a, in a club, in a we, we repeated that in Croatia and Grant caught the pigeon. That's quite interesting, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that, that was that was pretty impressive. Uh, another one where uh, they made every all the virgins uh, leapfrog each other in a big long line around the hotel while they drank in the bit drank in the bar. That was funny but very exhausting. Um rolling down hills and then trying to roll back up one, that was fun. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, also, also taping a taping a bin out of a room to someone's hand, uh, <laughs> dressing them in an out and John t-shirt and leaving them in a in a tunnel to collect money like a tramp, <laughs> and then them returning to the bar an hour and a half later and buying us all around because that's how successful they were. Tom, you got all this to come as well, mate. No. <laughs> just another little things, just little silly things. Like uh, um, uh, I remember giving, uh, I found a bone randomly, a, a, a half a leg of a cow, and making someone carry that around for a day. That was quite entertaining. Can I ask what, what was it? What was? I can't remember the exact story, but someone had like tried to bring something back, like through like and like through customs, and they were like stopped. There was like some meat or something, wasn't it? Or... Yeah, that was a bone. That's a cow's leg. Yeah. 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 There wasn't what, what I read one not naming names. Wasn't there a one where there was a letter written and put in someone's bag? That's going to play playing a prison. That's playing. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah. Bag. yeah, yeah, yeah. We could go on. So that's that's, uh, that's cool. Thank but you. Again, I enjoyed that quick fire round. That's quite good. Thank we'll you. Again, some time. Um, next up, we're going to go for best memory, uh, best rugby memories. Uh, um, generally speaking. So start with Tom, what's your favourite rugby, either playing or being a part of the game of rugby memory? Um, Playing-wise, I'm trying to think. We obviously had, like, yeah, back at uni when I was in my first year, playing for university, twos rugby, and it was uh, the Super Twos. And, like, just a great team on the piss. So um, I think we won the league on the last day of the season... Uh, nice. In Brighton away, and we already had like obviously classic preempted it. Brought about like twenty bottles of champagne, so uh, that was a absolutely great day. Uh, what a posh playing. university drinking champagne! There we go, well, champagne. Well, champagne. Well, I mean, well, I'll, I'll be happy with twenty bottles of canapes. Canapes, look! Oh look, we've left two crates of beer in the changers for you that went out of date last year. Enjoy that one, John Smith's lads. Well done, well done for the win. Uh, no, sorry. Um, and John Parsons wasn't around to bob me off at Amstel that were two years old anyway back then. That was only last week, guys. Um, and then uh, obviously, obviously, uh, fucking Welshman in rugby in general was the Premiership final. Wow. I lost it, but it was still a great experience. No, fair play, man. Okay, your your best rugby memory or moment? Uh, when we got promoted and being back in the squad and just having a photo beforehand and then the whole day was just incredible. Change rooms that day were something special, but, weren't they? It was just, Sorry. it was just, yeah, Sorry. it was something else. Was, it, it was some, was your highlight just having a photo 
No, 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 no. Was, I was I was part of the squad, mate. We were meant to have a game, and, and, and the team cried off. So we Stop. got there ready to play. Man, fuck off, mate. Not just about the photo, man. But it was being in the photo is quite nice. I like being in the photo. Listen, I'm an old bloke, yeah. Having photos taken is quite um, a nice thing, still. That ball, that's, that ball boy's got a beard. <laughs> that's right. Dips. It is. No, it is. It was a promotion, man. It was a great day, and yeah, having a photo, and then a photo taken beforehand, and all the seconds were there beforehand, and like we didn't get a game, but we still went out and had a run around. So all the shirts he, on. He, he keeps coming back to the photo being the highlight. <laughs> no, well, the, I like the photo, mate. I really appreciate the photo. Just being part of the crew. I'd, I'd had I'd had many years away from the game, and I was back in. And I've been accepted back in. It's a it's a big thing, and it was a wonderful fucking it was a wonderful year, and uh, yeah, it was a great it was a great day. Great photo because I I didn't play like I'd, I'd re- I've been retired a couple of years probably at that. You point. had mate, um, and I I came to watch that day, and it was a great game. Really, they they played brilliantly. It was it's a really yeah. good day. I know all the twos weren't playing. It was all bloods and crips and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, and I left just after the game because it was it was. A bit tough still for me because I wanted to still be playing. Absolutely, but mate. I I am massively jealous of that change rooms that day because I imagine that would have been amazing. Like because I remember when we won the league, Bill, when we got promoted, and it was not like that, was it? Like we were. I think we were I, mean, I, I I sort of went sort of did a lot of sort of reflecting on the, the my rugby playing career over the last few few months or thing and. And I mean, I, I've probably been promoted two or th- three times, maybe, with a club, but nothing stands out quite like that one that we were talking about a couple of years ago. When those change the change rooms afterward was just it was, it was something special. Yeah. Mm. I mean, but what was quite what sticks with my head is that the amount of beer that's wasted that day, yeah, sprayed on people. It's disgusting, really. Yeah, but it, <laughs> but it was yeah, it's a fantastic day. I, I can I can uh, and like I said, I've talked about my podcast about how I made it back into the team for that final day. It was quite nice to, to be a part yeah, of it. Awesome. Huggy's best moments photo. Uh, what's your worst moment, Tom? In rugby. Uh Christ. Send email email to Jonesy once. But <laughs> 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 well, I think that's commendable, man. I think uh, 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 we're not spoken about this on this podcast yet, but the fact that Tom has come out of his way, he's moved to this town, and he's emailed a club. We've not gone looking for him. He's come looking for us. Yeah, and we have got him, and he, and he for me again, Brown Star Award. But yeah, it's commendable. It's a commendable fucking thing, man. That he's come to us, we've set him in. I know we, he, he he's still got to show his youth, his well, youth and his use yet. But I think it's a commendable thing that he's 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 he's, he's come to us, man. Do you know what I mean? I think it's a really yeah, good. It, it's, it, it, it's, it show, it's to be fair, it shows a lot about the club. I think. Because there's a lot of people on other podcast before have spoke about how the, how our club is. How there's not there's not other clubs that have that familyness and everything else about it. Thomas comes to us. It's <laughs> not a family. You know what I'm saying, but you know what I mean. Right, I have to apologise now. I've, I've I've drunk a bit I and mean, everything else, so it's not a podcast, and it's not like Christian ranting about fighting, but. I think it's commendable that Tom's come to us and he's been accepted in, and I think it's really, really good. I think I'm, I'm, it's really is a bright future coming on them. I, I agree. I agree. So Huggy's best things are him having a photo taken <laughs> and sending an email, 
So, uh, so what are your worst things that you've had in a rugby? Um, so right up there is meeting honey. <laughs> Invite you around your house as well, man. That was a bad idea uh, as well. No, to be fair, like, I'm I'm quite lucky. Like, to be like, I wouldn't pass any like the drunk moments as being bad or anything. Like, and, like touch wood, I'm like, I'm quite lucky that I haven't had many bad injuries. So like, because I haven't like from like when I was playing. So I think I had to go back to like. And probably like everyone, like, like stuff like losing the Premiership final was like heartbreaking, like all season long. And it's like probably like like everyone, said, like you miss out on like promotion or whatever it is. So there's some of the probably the worst memories of those sort of things. Like we've lost, like I'll be honest, with was I never won anything. I got to Premiership final, European semi-finals, European quarterfinals, and like losing is like the worst thing. Like I have been lucky that I haven't had those injuries, so. Probably the, the worst things I've had is like losing these big games and like just heartbreaking moments like that. But to be fair, if like you said earlier on, if you if you're giving up weekends and like functions and family functions and stuff to be training or travelling to play every week, they they become a little bit more than just a nice thing to win something. It becomes really important. My so God, you like can imagine how how high you feel before a game and how low you feel if you if you lose it. So I, I, think, I think you just have to talk to my missus, like, probably to understand it, like, because, like, it's not... It's your whole professional life, your whole personal life. You invest everything to win at the weekend, the next weekend, to win the premiership, to win a trophy. Like, she'd say, like, you'd look like we'd lose. And, like, I'll be honest, like, I wouldn't talk to her and stuff. Like, I could, like... You're in like some dark holes after losing and stuff. She'd be like, it'd be like about six, seven hours after the game. Like I'd finally like pick up the phone and she'd be like, You're all right. And I'd be like, Yeah, sorry. Like, because you invest everything to win, like, so when you lose, it's like heartbreaking. Like, it's hard to explain it because it's like, it is your whole life. That's no, true. Though. I mean, even though playing the, 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 Obviously, comparatively massive lower leagues. I mean, I'm sure Dips will, will back me up here. It's, it's the same sort of thing as when even playing the big games for the Andrews, the, the losses, they take it out of you, don't they? they? They really do take it out of you. And it sort of takes a long time to, to get them out of your system. So uh, we, had a, we, had a tough, we had a tough few years when we, when we initially got promoted. When I, I was playing, I didn't, I've only been in one promotion when inside. Um, and we stayed in the league for probably three years, maybe four years. Um, and we were always nearly men. We were always third or fourth, always losing near the end or having a bit of a rough patch of a couple of games, which seems to be quite common for our club, to be fair. But You're going to talk about the, the um, was it OB Wiggs game where we lost last game of the season. Probably one of the hardest games I've ever played in, I reckon, just for the fact that I don't think we lost that day uh, out of ability. I think we lost, we kind of, Threw a bit, a little bit away ourselves. To be fair, and we, a few people lost their heads, but some people deal with that kind of pressure better than others. But I know it's tough when you when you've worked all season to get somewhere. You can lose it in a game. You can lose it in five minutes. You can lose it in, like you say, with a drop ball or a pass. And although we're at a lower level and a lower league, it still means a hell of a lot because you're still training a few times a week. You still go into the gym. You're still doing what you need to do. Well, I say go to the gym. Some people did. Um, 
<laughs> you still put your body in the line for your mates, aren't you? Put your body on the fucking lately, man. This will be playing on a Saturday, not till Tuesday. In some ways, it means more to you boys because, like, rightly or wrongly, at the end of the day, like ninety percent of professional players are essentially mercenaries. They'll go wherever they pay, where the pays more. Whereas, like, at the lower levels, like, like for instance, my like home club, the players that have been there, most of them have been there for their life. Like, you don't get many players that move senior club, like, unless they're moving house. Do you know what I mean? Like, so like some of you boys are probably invested. So like losing those games, like, and some players might have been there ten years, like working towards that. Arguably, means more than like anything else. It's it's a strange scenario because you don't you don't just play for you, you don't just play for all those players in your team. You play for your seconds as well. You play for those guys that you've been playing with for a few years that have retired or that were in the side that you're playing with. You play for your coaches. You play for your supporters. You play for old farts that hooky just slagged off. All those yeah, all those old boys that aren't going to sit and chat the hooky anymore, which isn't a bad thing for either. Um, to be fair, you, it, you do play. You play for the photograph as well. <laughs> Tom, Tom, you don't, you don't play for the photograph. That's before. Man. That's before. <laughs> um, okay, what's your worst moment in rugby apart from this last ten minutes? Okay, well, this last. I think it's about more forty five minutes. Uh but it would be uh would be the season where Matthew Butlin became second team captain and we went all the way over to Southern and I wasn't listening because I think was was doing we were doing a we were doing a warm up anyway and it, it was a waterlog pitch. We we're over at Southern and I, I just basically didn't hear that I was meant to be starting. So we got in the changing room, got changed, got all ready, blah, blah. And I thought, well, I, I, I'm, I'm not coming on yet. So I was laying out, got the water, walked out with the water, drinking a can of Red Bull, got to start a pitch. And all of a sudden, not Billy scored in the first whatever couple of seconds. It was really, really muddy. Next thing, first scrum. And it was like, <laughs> only eight players? No, seven players. Next thing, it was like, okay, he <laughs> should be on the pitch. <laughs> and I was stood there next to JP drinking a can of Red Bull. <laughs> Genuinely, I was in the middle of the scrum. I thought I wasn't on yet. And they're all going, you wanker. <laughs> and I had to run on the pitch. <laughs> I should have started. But they'd already scored. <laughs> I, I, I correct you on that. It wasn't, it wasn't the year I was, I was captain. It was the year I kept, made my comeback. So it was probably the oh, championship right. year. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was, it was, yeah, it was, it was one of my um, comeback games after oh, my knee injury. That, that's right, because Wazza was still captain, weren't he? That's why I heard him properly, yeah. I made my comeback. Like fucking... <laughs> fucking... Like a, was it? Was it like a? What was it? Like, like a pheasant raising from the flames? Yeah. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> <laughs> Who said that? Who said that? Who was that again? I was jam hot, mate. Jam hot. You were jam hot. It's like it's like a pheasant. <laughs> a, player, a player like you, Billy, you always work hard to reach the pinnacle. <laughs> it was, it was, it was, a, it was, it was, it was so mad because, like, you know what I mean. I, I was so happy to be part of a team, back in the team, and, and doing what I was doing. And there were some really class players coming back in again. Yeah, obviously, not naming names, 
But we went all the way to Southern, right? And we've done the warm-up. You know what I mean? We couldn't play on that pitch. We were warming up. We are in the huddle. You know what I mean? And everything else. And I just not listened because I got overexcited, I feel, as I, I do. I, 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 I don't remember know if you ever heard about this. Sorry to interject you, Hoogie. I, I yeah, just, sorry, remember that game because I remember, like I say, it was probably about two, three games back after my knee injury. So, yeah. And uh, like I said, the second team had a real strong team at that time. And uh, yeah. Uh, Jason Warren was captain and he, I remember yeah. he came at the, the team talk before we went out for warm-up and stuff Hoogie was saying right, we've got a good strong second backs uh, I think we need to play wide we need to keep the game playing wide yeah. and then I remember we are getting the, the forwards huddle together just before we are doing, uh, doing the, like, the, the line-out practice beforehand and I remember looking around and there's, there's me um, me Myrian I think there's Lapo Keith Lister yeah, yeah. Uh, there's uh, someone else Forty was there as well I can't, but it's it's like a, it's like majority of the players have played first team rugby. To, you know, yeah, it was a massive pack. We had a massive, massive pack. pack. And I remember just looking around, going, "Don't listen to what fucking was says. We're going to be yeah, yeah, yeah. Front. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah." And it was, and 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 don't just, just, just. And then, like I say, <laughs> we kicked off. We kicked to the yeah. corner, driving mall yeah. from the line out, scored it yeah. forwards, and we just dominated them up front. But then at the back, yeah. still, we get caught sort of the whole game. They didn't. They didn't. It was. <laughs> And that was funny. That, that was that was the same day when I actually got on there watching um, um, Marion and um, Phil Evans having a punch, a dust up. <laughs> God bless you, Phil Evans, mate. Do you know what I mean? Again, do you know what I mean? On there, came on. I think he was playing flanker. Great scrum half. One of the great scrum half I've ever played for the scene for the club. But he was playing flanker. And he was having a massive dust up with Fippin Marion. Do you know what I mean? It was just, it was, it was a class day. I, I got on there late. In Scotland, thinking they're not listened, and it was the, the the pack was just it was awesome that day. We we actually stuffed them, we stuffed them. So yeah, so it was the worst of good time at the same time. But you know, Excellent never stuff. get overexcited. That's the you know, kids. <laughs> Red Bull. Yeah, exactly. Red Bull for a game, man. It's not a, it's not a worker. Uh, what's the next question we need to do then? Okay. Dipsy, I'm out of questions from my list. Over to you. On the, on the on the back of that, I'll just throw one out there. Actually, what's the best slash funniest or weirdest thing anybody's ever said in a huddle? I think, is, that, is, that, is that the Jam Hot reference there? Because I just just reference that that was a, a Carl Chaplow pre-match walk um, team talk, wasn't it? <laughs> we're, we're talking about how great we are. We're going to go out there and beat them up. This and the other. At the moment, lads, we're playing really well. We're jam hot. And remember me and you just looking at each other, Dipsy, going, jam hot. Jam hot. <laughs> Listen to the boys from the big bad city. <laughs> Tom, anything from you? Honestly, I don't think I can think of anything far in the old classic cliches. It's it's nil nil. They don't even want it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the, the, the regular the regular normal things yeah the regular shit chat yeah nowhere and all that uh, Huggy anything for you um, I think I've said enough have I to be fair the only the only thing I can think of is when we played at Southernville um, there were they were near the top of the league we were near the top of the league um, and Wayne was very angry <laughs> <laughs> Surprising, and telling us what we needed to do, and he was really in the moment, and everybody was really intent listening to him. Um, and he said that he wants you to, uh, he wants lazy runners behind the rook because they're they're passing off the floor. 
Um, and uh, he, he said something, uh, and I started laughing, and he stopped dead. And he went, <laughs> he said, right, what's so funny? And I said, it's not, it's not that funny, just carry on. And he went, no, 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 if you think it's hilarious to start laughing now, what's so funny? What have I said that's funny? And I felt really pressured to say anything. They went, well, you just said when they go down, just pop out the tackle. <laughs> and, and he didn't really know what to do. He, he lost his shit, man. And then he just went, oh, for fuck's sake, just go out there and win, right? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think, uh, gentlemen, ladies, that concludes uh, the, the podcast and thing. So, uh, hope everyone enjoyed listening. Um, any final words you want to say, uh, Tom, before we go? So, can I confirm? Is this one going to be released before Christians or not? Christians realised how drunk he was and some of the things he said, and he's, he's putting a bit of a. I, mean, I think the solicitors are fighting to get it released, put it that way at the moment. So um, we'll, we'll let you know. Thank you. Uh, anything else you want to say, Tom? Uh, thank you for having me. Any sponsors you want to thank? Um, I just wish Huggy wasn't here, but... Um... <laughs> uh, on that, Huggy, anything, any final words? I'd just like to wish uh, Kindy Devgun uh, a happy 50th birthday. It's <laughs> um, a very good point. Club captain, club legend, uh, and well said, Huggy, and a lot of brown nosing going on there. Loving your work. Brown star Huggy, for you again. Huggy, Huggy, stay where you are. We're about to take a photo. Not really, but I just know you really love photos. <laughs> I love a photo, mate. Listen, mate, it's great being part of a crew. <laughs> a crew. Fucking hell. We'll be back in the 90s. See anything? Any final words for you? Final words of wisdom? A uh, couple, a couple of things really. Um, uh, Saints to Saints, get on it. If you've not started yet, get started. Uh, if you've not donated yet, donate. And if you are already doing it, well done. Keep it going. Uh, we'll reach loads more destinations. Uh, next thing, uh, we're going to try and do these reasonably regular. So, if anybody would like to come on it, uh, please come forward to us. Uh, we won't just take anybody. I'm not going to lie, uh, but we'll uh, we'll vet it before we do it. But you can, uh, yeah, hit us up and see what we can do. Or even if you've got any any suggestions, any anyone you'd like to hear from, any sort of uh, insight you'd like to hear about the, the club and where we're going, any any sort of particular people you want to talk, could, could get on, uh, drop us a message. Uh, maybe we'll get, hopefully we'll get Grant back if his uh, uh, baby will let him. Um, we wish him all the best with his newborn. Uh, can't remember yeah, the baby's name. What's the baby's name? Who can you remember? Uh, uh, oh, it's, 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 um, it's a Charlie's Angels name. Um, it's a Charlie's Angels name. Oh, missed, oh, oh. Bosley? No, no, it's one of the Charlie's Angels. One of the originals in the 60s, 70s, 60s. What is it? It's, um, oh. Harry. It'll come to me. Harry, hey. no, it's not. No, uh, no. It's it, the Peter, it, isn't it? Peyton. If he was a P. Peyton. <coughs> if he was Peyton. a P. Peyton? Peyton. Peyton Taylor, uh, we wish Peyton, uh, Grant and his lovely wife all the best with their newborn and hopefully I'll have Grant back soon if he's allowed out to play. Uh, thank you very much for listening and uh, hopefully we'll see you again soon. So uh, all the best. Goodbye. Bye.